When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. gentlemen we're about to begin boarding if we could ask for your cooperation would you all please remain seated well how'd you sleep last night i don't believe that's any of your business <laughs> if you go to a bouncy fall and you want to have a prance and hansel all in pub with you don't forget to slop your dripper <laughs> mr nightlinger what's for breakfast Two apples bacon and biscuits well forget the apples slap some bacon on a biscuit let's go you're on the high ground with craig flowers Ah, good morning, T.Y. Don't let those guys bully you about Tony Romo. He was a miracle. <laughs> good to hear your voice, Colonel. Allons-y! Good morning, Texas. Oh, I love Texas. Good morning, Texans. And everybody getting here as fast as you possibly can. Oh, but please, please, we're begging you. Remember why you're coming and remember what the heck you left and don't mess with Texas. Yes, indeed. And I just visited one. There are a lot of states that are great. But as we know, there's only one. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Live, local, and digital from the banks of 360, AM 1260, 1019-1049, streaming live on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Good morning. My name is Craig Flowers. Welcome to the high ground. Pushing the buttons, as they say up in Schenectady, is a fan of Tony Romo and dedicated fanatic of the Dallas Cowboys, T.Y. Henderson. T.Y., I love what you did. The courage, the courage to stand up against those bullies over there uh, telling you to kiss their fourth point of contact. Don't tolerate that nonsense. I'm proud of you, young man. I appreciate it. A lot of haters out there. (laughs) (laughs) Seated to my right, your left, creating the mirror effect, my best friend in the ATX. He is the pride of East Austin, the defensive back, the UC Davis cornerback, owner of the friendliest Waltweiler in town, and he has a hot and a cold tub. With 10 combat deployments, a very special helicopter pilot, the one everybody's talking about him, Jamie. Frazier! Everybody talking about Jamie Frazier. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Colonel. Where are you at? I'm at Abilene, prettiest town you ever did see. Not Abilene, Kansas, which is where Dwight D. Eisenhower was born, but I'm in Abilene, Texas, the last, the last weekend of the Air It Out Academy, rootward academic, coming off the heels of the seventh Air It Out quarterback and receivers camp that we had over at the home of Case Keenum at Wiley High School, home of the Wiley Bulldogs. 
and we just uh, finished the camp, and now we've got 25 and uh, receivers and 25 elite quarterbacks here, and then some other younger quarterbacks and receivers that we know will be elite one day, younger kids. But we've got some that are going into their senior year, their junior year, and this will be it for them. So I'm here with David Thomas, the UT great tight end who played in two Super Bowls, Cody Hodges, and, of course, Coach Alan Wardis, who's been hosting the Air It Out football camps for quarterbacks and receivers since uh, the last 34 years, Colt McCoy among some of those that have been through here. And I'm glad to uh, be uh, – we love these kids. We know them. We've cared for them. We can challenge them. Their parents are here. It's kind of a heavy – last weekend because we know for some of these and they have to stand up in front of their peers and do a little after action review, Jamie, something you're familiar with and about what they set out to do in high school, what actually happened and what do they want to sustain and improve. So we'll do that this afternoon, but uh, I, uh, I'm going to uh, let you, I'll be on for the whole show, but when we come back for the each three segments, I'll let you welcome everybody back and then you can, um, kind of lead us through asking me some questions if you care to about some of the trips that I've been on. I just got back from Cody, Wyoming. My gosh, Cody, Wyoming. If you haven't been and you have the opportunity, you got to get on in there and get on in there. It was a remarkable week. Um, I can't wait to tell you all about it. One of your favorite players, not your favorite, but one of your favorite, Rod Woodson was among the celebrities there. John Rocker. Yeah, that John Rocker from the Braves. Otis Nixon, um, Will Wesley, who played for the Texans. Uh, Frank Jasper. Who? Frank Jasper. Well, if you know the movie Vision Quest, Vision Quest, the wrestling movie of 1985, Frank Jasper played Shoot. And listeners will know who Shoot was. Wesley Walker was there. He played for the Jets. He was a wide receiver. It's funny because I was there with Jeff Fry, as you know, Jamie, and he said, hey, we're having dinner with, with Wes Welker. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to meet the Red Breda, Wes Welker. Turns out Wes Welker was not there. Instead, Wesley Walker and Will Wesley were. <laughs> so. I was like, I was like, Fry, man, you gotta just tell Jeff Fry, you gotta get your, you gotta get your info correct, man. I, we were all over the West and West, I mean, we, but Wes Welker was not there. Maybe he'll be there next year. A fascinating character was there named Chris Cooley. Chris Cooley played in the NFL about the same time David Thomas did as a tight end. He wore number forty-seven for the Redskins, and he. Uh, he was from Utah State and just a remarkable character. He took us fly fishing on the Shoshone River, and then Fry and I fished the Crandall as well. Uh, but I wore my Chisos boots, Jamie. Got a lot of questions about my Chisos, and I saw that on Chisos.com and on LinkedIn and on all the social, uh, the chief Texan, Will Roman, right there in Austin, uh, put out a little video, I think it was yesterday, uh, talking about legendary cowboy boots and what they mean to to texans and what they stand for and and of course you and i wear chisos boots and as you say that you can describe them to the listeners what they feel like 
I feel like leather slippers. Unbelievable leather slippers. And that gets us to T.Y., the Chisos Boots Morning Story. The Morning Story. Stu Myrick, Super Bowl Stu. He hosts a wrestling show on these airways on the horn. Only one of two wrestling show, sto- <laughs> shows in the great state of Texas. Stu Myrick. Oh, I had to send a picture to Stu Myrick and Cody Wyoming because I was with a former professional wrestler who is now 69 years old. I spent a lot of time with him. Listeners, well, <laughs> when I say, ho! Well, if you know anything about wrestling, you know it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 69 years old, been married 44 years to his wife, Deborah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jamie, will be on the high ground in the next couple of weeks. Got to spend a lot of time with him. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, at one point in his career, wrestled Andre the Giant 54 straight nights in 54 different American cities. A remarkable achievement. He described Andre the Giant as just a wonderful person with a big heart. But why does Hacksaw Jim Duggan carry around a two-by-four? Well, that's a question I had to ask. As a little boy, I would walk around the living room rather obnoxiously doing an impression of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I learned a great deal about that two-by-four, but first, I'll bet listeners didn't know that Hacksaw Jim Duggan from Glens Falls, New York, whose high school nickname was Moose, Hacksaw Jim Duggan had a full football scholarship to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, SMU. In fact, he was voted team captain and signed by the Atlanta Falcons to play in the National Football League. He was released due to some knee injuries, and then he started what was arguably one of the most unique and patriotic wrestling careers that we ever knew back in that era. But back to the two-by-four. Why did he swing a two-by-four and the American flag was thumb up in the air and go, Well, turns out, early in his wrestling career, he was wrestling in Lubbock, Texas, out in the great state. Back then, Hacksaw shared with me, everyone thought the wrestling was real. In fact, the little pieces of razor blade that they would keep under their wristband to juice, is what they called it, to juice themselves, to create blood on their forehead. Many retired wrestlers have scars on their forehead where they would juice to create more drama. Well, turns out that Hacksaw had defeated a local favorite in West Texas, and the fans were not happy to see it. The manager came into the locker room and said, Hacksaw, we've got some issues. Security is really not doing much up here, and you just defeated a fan favorite of West Texas, and we've got to get you safely and securely to the bus, and I don't know what to do. You might want to have something to defend yourself with. And Hacksaw looked around the locker room, and there was a (laughs) two-by-four. Oh, he picked up the two-by-four. He said, well, maybe I could swing this if I need to. Turns out he never had to swing it. He walked out the locker room with that two-by-four over his right shoulder. 
walk straight to the bus. And now, now that two by four, if you're interested, you can go online and order about a 18 inch piece of two by four with hacksaw Jim Duggan's signature on it. <laughs> it became his trademark hacksaw Jim Duggan. He told me, you know, we weren't wrestling against one another. We were partners in the ring. We were dance partners. We were talking to one another, and I owe Andre the Giant a great deal for he let me win one of those matches, and I became famous for defeating Andre the Giant. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a great American patriot, and his wife Deborah were in Cody, Wyoming, supporting Celebrities for a Cause, run by Ryan Brown with a bunch of celebrities, earning money, raising money for the Wyoming Special Olympics. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, well, he'll be on the high ground sooner rather than later. And that's the Chiso's Boots. Ho! Morning story. Were, were you a, a wrestling fan when you were a young kid? You know, there were only a couple that I just thought were so entertaining, Hacksaw being number one. There was another guy, Haystack something giant of a man. Andre the Giant was always unique. Of course, um, right there in the heart of Austin, you know, you've got one of the one of the great ones there. His first name's Mark. I've met him a few times. The Undertaker. Yeah. The Undertaker. He shops in Sportsman's Finest every once in a while. What a great guy. But no, I didn't I mean you like the Hulk every once in a while, Hulk Hogan with his pythons, but no, I didn't follow it like Super Bowl Stu did, but uh, we were on a phone call earlier this week with Super Bowl Stu Myrick, and he, too, has spoken to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. What about you? Did you follow the wrestling bit? No, but it's funny because uh, when I flew for Continental Express, I flew on a uh, – we got chartered out on – I was flying the ATR, and it was a turboprop, and we went to – Memphis because they had a big wrestling uh, event that night and we flew like I think like 15 pro wrestlers from there all the way to um, where'd we go I, and it was like an hour flight we flew them to Little Rock um, and uh, these guys were just huge they were they're taking up two seats and but and you know they they had all sorts of uh, they they'd staffed it with uh, they'd catered it with you know like I don't know, uh, all sorts of good food and everything. And it's a short flight, and those guys were you know these huge hulking guys. I didn't even know anything about pro wrestling, but they they all got on, and they're the nicest guys you'd ever meet in the world. And you just like just monsters of people. But uh, no, I I've never I never really grew up watching wrestling. Just never did. I don't know. Hacksaw intrigued me. I think the first time I saw him was just when he came out with because he carried the American flag in a two-by-four and just made this funny face with his tongue sticking out. I had no idea he played for the SMU Mustangs and was a football player there. I, I think, what's that, Hacksaw, that or, was he from, um, I thought he was from uh, Louisiana. Was he? No, he was from, he's from Glens Falls, New York. Is he really? Interesting. Yeah, in fact, this was cray-cray. Uh, Rob Slack, who was one of the founders of Don't Tell My Wife Stables, and all of Rob Slack's brothers, they all went to, ha went to high school up in Glens Falls, New York, with Moose, a.k.a. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was a 
who played basketball. He wrestled. He was a state champion wrestler, uh, football, obviously, track. And Hacksaw, according to Rob Slack, would come over to their house often and loved his his mom making, you know, stacks and stacks of pancakes. Hacksaw's dad was the chief of police in Glens Falls. And so, uh, you know, he grew up with some, you know, discipline in the home, but his dad evidently was a great chief of police, but he's from Glens Falls, New York, and came all the way down to, he was recruited by Ohio State, but ultimately came to Dallas to play for SMU. I I had no idea. Do you remember a guy called Hacksaw Reynolds for the 49ers? Yep. Yep. He, yep. Some he, people would say that's the original Hacksaw. Yeah, he was he was uh I and I he was like one of my favorites when I was a kid watching uh 49ers play and he got the name cuz in college he hacksawed a, a car in half with a hacksaw all the way through. And that's what they called him. No, and that's why they called him Hacksaw Reynolds. I was just I, I remember him though. Hey, we'll be back uh, on high ground after this break. This is good music coming back, Ty. Thank you, sir. Uh, welcome back to the High Ground with Craig Flowers and Jamie Fraser. Craig's up in Abilene on the phone. Sir, uh, you had a good 4th of July weekend. I didn't have as good a 4th of July weekend as you did. Um, what happened? Uh, you know, <laughs> you roll out. We were, I was supposed to go to my squadron re- reunion out in San Diego. And, uh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah it was, I was leaving the 29th, coming back uh, the second, and uh, I had planned it for like you know two months, um, and uh, so I rolled up to uh, Austin Bergstrom, happy, got somebody watching the dog. I've got everything lined up, just gonna go out and have fun, see my buddies. Roll up to the Alaska Gate, and I'm I'm a good hour and a half, two hours early for the flight. And, uh, you know, drop my bag off. And they're like, hey, how you doing? Do you have an ID? Give him an ID. And then the guy looks up and then he looks at me. He goes, there's a little problem here. I go, why? He goes, well, I mean, you're here on time. You're just a day late. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> ah, one day late. And I had, and then it, 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 it hit me because my niece lives out in San Diego. And she's like, hey, listen, she was leaving for the fourth weekend. And she was leaving on a Friday. She said, why don't you fly out Thursday? Uh, we'll go to dinner and stay at uh, my place. Then uh, I'll drop you off at your hotel the next morning and route to the airport. I'm like, oh, that's great. I haven't seen my niece for forever. Um, she works down in San Diego. And uh, so I, I had moved the flight. Two months earlier, I, I had it on the 29th in my mind the entire time because that's when my hotel started. And yeah. so I totally, and like in between that time, my, my, uh, you know, so I had the 28th, it was like not even in my hindsight, but I had moved the flight one day. So two months later, I come back in, I roll up, everything's good. And they go, yeah. So the guy was nice. He was like, hey, listen, we'll try to help you out and get you out on um, a flight. And, and, uh, so he rolls with, uh, starts looking, looking, and he goes, yeah, we can have you there Saturday night. 
Oh no! This is Thursday, and I'm just like, okay. And then uh, we can put you on standby, but you're not going to get on today. It's just it's too packed on Thursday, and uh, Friday is the same way. But you can, we can put you on. So I looked at Southwest, and they were about the same. They said we can get you out there like Saturday afternoon, and and they go, but we can put you on standby, and you can see if you can get you on. And I'm like, I didn't want. Oh my gosh! I didn't want to spend two days in the airport. So the funny part was that was and I, I talked about it in the big ugly tailgate was um, so I had a hotel there and I already paid for it. And oh. so I have they refunded my money from a return flight on Sunday. They did not return my money that I I didn't miss. The, I missed the flight on. And uh, I had two buddies that were flying out for the for the squadron reunion. And they, they're the knuckleheads that never, and they're so smart, they don't get hotels. They just they just kind of leech off of all the other, and they've been like that my entire life. I mean, going back to, I remember going over to, um, we ended up at, at like Cutter, and uh, my buddy came in after me. He didn't have a hotel room, and he crashed in my hotel room in route to Iraq. And you're like, so they show up, and I go, all right, you guys lucked out, because I'd rather have it used than go unused. And uh, and I call him up and I said, "Hey, do you guys have a hotel room?" Oh no! I go, "Do you want a, do you want one?" Goes, yeah. So they both they, they both uh, rolled up in my hotel room and they took pictures of them with uh, when they walked in with the the big the big screen that says "Welcome, James, to, to your hotel room." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my oh. god!" I don't know. Well, but, I gotta tell you that they the. The flights that week, yeah, were jammed up like an all cheese diet. Yeah. It was there were there were some celebrities trying to get in to Cody, Wyoming. Okay. One of which was uh, Scott Pollard, who was the played basketball for the KU Jayhawks, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, with Rafe LaFrance and Jacques Vaughn. The year they should have gone undefeated and won it all. Scott Pollard was supposed to be there. He couldn't get a flight, and a lot of these guys. Uh, they it was it was a jacked up week for travel for sure, yeah. which is why I put like thirty thousand miles on my truck this year, and I've got to go to Baton Rouge tomorrow afternoon, um, because I, I I don't I just the airlines are just not reliable, but no. in this case you got, it helps to be there on the right day, right? Yeah, it does help. I was I mean that was a self inflicted wound. You want to get mad, and the guy goes, "Did you book this with uh, a third party?" I go, "No, I booked it online," and then I. I looked at the date, and I'm like, oh, I'll just step aside here. Thanks. Uh, help somebody. That's you never do that. No. That, that never happens to no, you. No. I've never done that. I, I came home and, you know, paid paid the pet sitter, said go. It wasn't her fault. So <laughs> just like, yeah, it was uh, It was definitely uh, um, not was what she, I expected. Was she like that was the easiest job I ever had? Yeah. You you should have took that job. Yeah, I know. You could you would have been like, <laughs> I, that was the best hour and forty five minutes I ever spent in my entire life and got paid for four days. Yeah, but uh, no, it was. Uh, then I, then I saw pictures of you with uh, catching a trout, and I'm like, man, that would have been nice. It looked like it looked like it was like forty five degrees up there, and I was like, oh, how was it? The, how, it oh, Jamie, it was. Cody, Wyoming. I I I've got the invite to go back next year, and I think they're going to celebrities for a cause. I think it's going to be military related next year, so I, I may be able to squirm you an invite if you're interested. That'd be, that'd be great. But the 
it is it is one of the coolest places I've ever seen in my life. I have you and I've got to see plenty of the world, but I'd never been to Wyoming. Oh really? And I've had friends that have played, you know, for the Red Sox in Billings, Montana, but I've never been to Wyoming. And we went to the rodeo, uh, Chris Cooley. Oh, by the way, TY, do you collect sports memorabilia? Um, yeah, mainly sports cards, but I, I, I have a bunch of pennants and flags and stuff like that, jerseys. Jamie, Chris Cooley is a trip. He told me he, he is so funny, he's so unique. He uh, tight end forty seven for the number forty seven for the Redskins. He discovered that the Redskins, after every football game, some little slappy would come in and take his game used jersey and then it would end up for sale for thousands of dollars and he was like you know this this just doesn't feel right and so he said you know my the 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 company the redskins is providing the jersey that's their jersey but my sweat provides the value (laughs) and so he started thinking about this and he had a contract with raybach the time and so he called Raybach and said hey you guys make the jerseys right the, the official ones that we wear on game day and they were like yeah he goes okay I want to buy 16 oh, of my jerseys with my number number 47 and I'm going to pay for retail for them and send them all to me and so they shipped him to his house and so he would go to the go to the games with his jersey, game jersey, packed in his own bag. Yeah. And he would yeah. leave he would leave his the one that the Redskins provided in his life. He would never put it on. <laughs> and he would say, I, this is my jersey. He would go to the little slappy guy and say, This is my jersey. I bought it. Um, I have sixteen of them. And when we're done, I'm taking my jersey home with me. <laughs> And I thought that is brilliant. Now you know, if I own the company, I don't know how I'd feel about that. But uh, but it makes total sense to me. And he just backside Johnny the whole the whole system and said, No, no, no. My sweat's providing the value here. I think I'll buy my own jerseys. I own. And then the guy came after one of the games and said, uh, Slapstick came in and goes, Hey, you know, with the jersey. Goes, No, no, no. That's my jersey. Here's my receipt. I own. Now you know all 16 of them for the season. So you can work your way around the locker room, but this one's going home with me and he has them all. Oh, good for him. That's smart. Isn't did, that great? So did, uh, did Jeff go, uh, Oh four or did he get some, uh, fish out there too? Coach, uh, Fry, if he were on a three way with us right now, he would say it was one of the most beautiful and most frustrating uh. fishing trips of the of his life for him because his he didn't have his clicks with him his reading glasses yeah and tying the knots with the tippet because we were fly fishing it was the first time we'd ever fly fished All right and chris chris cooley put us right into where the fish was it record rains up in cody right now uh and when we come back from the break i want you to ask me about these four junior college wrestlers i got to tell you that story but fry <laughs> No, Fry caught. I think, I think he caught one small 
whitefish or a, one small brook. But he had his first cast, Jamie. We just get to the to the river, and he's with the guy that's going with us, who's got him all set up, and he makes one cast into this roaring river. And I'm I'm doing my arm like a fly fish yeah. right now in my truck, as if you can see what I'm doing. But he makes one cast, and boom, a, a 22-inch trout rainbow grabs it and takes off down the river. And I'm reeling my stuff to get out of the way, and here goes Fry running like he's stealing second in waders, running down the river chasing this thing. Turns out, turns out, he didn't have his drag set on his reel. <laughs> and, and so this... Just going. Rainbow just is, going. Is like, yeah, like yeah. 75 yards down yeah. the river, and he's trying to catch up with it. They go to net it, and it got off. And oh. It was a terribly frustrated time. But I tell you what, Jeff Fry's, he can, that eye-hand coordination from turning double plays as the Rangers' second baseman and for four other teams, he can cast. He can put that fly exactly where he wants. So it was uh, – it was a good trip. I, ask me about the the the, uh, the JUCO wrestlers when we come back. I will. We'll be right back after uh, this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the high ground with Craig Flowers and Jamie Fraser's Craig's out in Abilene. And I do got a question for you, Craig. Tell me about those yep. uh, wrestlers we were just talking about. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, I just got a text here asking how to spell the name of the boot company that uh, you and I wear their boots. It's Chisos, named after the Chisos West Texas Mountain Range, C-H-I-S-O-S, Chisos.com. All right, so four junior college wrestlers between the ages of 19 and 21, last October in the year 2022, I believe it was early October, decided to go shed, shed hunting. Not a storage shed, but antler shed from oh. elk hunting. And you, when I say hunting, you essentially are walking around the woods looking for elk sheds that have been <laughs> discarded by elk. Uh, antlers are shedded each year. Horns continue to grow. Longhorns, they continue to grow. Antlers fall off every year. So, and there's quite a bit of value with antler sheds. Turns out they're worth several hundred dollars each, depending on obviously the size and condition of the shed these four wrestlers go up high into the mountains in cody wyoming last october and they're looking for sheds they're together one of the wrestlers has a 10 millimeter pistol with him Mm -hmm. why for bears there are a lot of bears there are signs for bears i never saw a bear but you're constantly looking for bears and you got to be aware of your surroundings. As they kept looking for sheds, two of the wrestlers decided, Hey, we're going to go down below the mountain range 
they just happen to have the 10 millimeter with them. And you two guys stay along the upper ridge. And you could, this was, this was aired on ESPN, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I met all four of these wrestlers. The two that stayed up on top of the ridge without a gun, uh, found themselves in bear territory, like thick. Turns out there were nine bears reported in that area. One of the wrestlers rounded this little area of woods and saw some bear droppings and said, hey, I see some bear droppings. And about that time, before he could finish his sentence, here comes Mama Grizzly around the corner and jumped on top of him and started eating him from his skull down. And and the pictures that I saw, some of which are available, you can see them online. They're kind of blurred out. The ones that I saw were not blurred out. And, Jamie, this gets to courage and brotherhood of sports. As the bear is mauling the one junior college wrestler, his teammate, rounds the corner, sees the bear, hears the bear, runs and jumps on the back of this grizzly bear and is pulling his eyes, his ears, his ma- anything he can get a hold of. And he accomplished his goal to get the bear's attention and got the bear off of his friend. And when the bear turned, the young man that jumped on back of the bear got the worst of it. Oh. The bear then mauled him uh, grabbed his arm and just shook it like a paper towel, uh, began eating his skull, punctured him all over the place, buried him in dirt. Once he finally almost went unconscious and quit fighting, buried him in dirt. And then the bear left. The original guy that was mauled had gone down to try to get the attention of the other guys that were down below who had the gun. And you can't hear anything out there, by the way, believe it or not, it, in those in those mountains and woods that you can't hear much. About that time, the, the one wrestler that's covered in dirt and suffering and nearly bleeding out, he begins to move around and get up again and try to recover. The bear turns at him and makes a second run at him <sighs> and continues to maul him and buries him again. And then the bear leaves. At this point, wrestler number one comes down the hill, gets the attention of the other two, up goes the guy with the 10 millimeter who I spent a lot of time with. And he finds his friend who he thinks has passed away, Right. but he finds him conscious. The bear is nowhere around. He throws his, as wrestlers would throws his teammate on his back and takes, starts carrying him down the hill at one point, having to pause because his teammate came conscious and said, I got to have a break. I got to have a break. They put him down. And he said, how bad do I look? And if you look at the pictures online, you can tell how bad he looked, but his teammates said, you look, great. You look, you look fine, fine. <laughs> but we got to get you down the hill before you bleed out because he had puncture wounds all over his body. And his jaw was his, let's see, it would be his left jaw was completely ripped and exposed so teeth I mean, it was just as bad as you can imagine yeah. and put him back on his shoulder perfectly timed the ambulance arrives by the time they get down to the bottom put him in the ambulance they called for an airlift that also met 
perfectly timed, and it was featured on ESPN. All four young men survived. They were recognized at this event in Cody, Wyoming. The doctors that worked on these two guys did an incredible job. And you can see online the before and after pictures of the surgery, the facial surgery of the young man that was mauled. And it just says a lot to the the commitment, the courage of not only teammates, but what those doctors were able to do. And the young men are, are, are doing well today. Uh, there's a couple of them are still continuing to wrestle, but uh, you know, I had a nine millimeter with me and the guy just looked at me and said, you can just leave that in the truck. Yes. That's, that's not going to do any good. Yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the market for a 10 millimeter because I know I'm going back next year, but Jeff Fry and I were, we had bear horns with us. We had bear spray, which is expensive, by the way. It works, evidently, bear spray, but you got to practice with it. Yeah. It's like $50 a canister. And you're, it, is, it is an odd feeling to be in the woods with a fly rod, a pistol in your belt, and bear spray also attached to your belt <laughs> as you're trying to catch a 20-inch you know, rainbow trout, but you're also – your your life is in a little bit of a risk because the bears are are not there for entertainment. <sighs> hey, we're going to be right back with a special guest for our last segment. Stand by for Craig and Jamie. See. Grounds, Craig Flowers, Jamie Frazier. Craig's out in uh, Abilene at the Area Out Academy last weekend of the Academy. Got a special guest for our last segment. Craig, we got Rodney Rodriguez. Rod- Rodriguez oh. from, yeah, from Rev Sports. <laughs> Hi, Rod. What's going on? Guys, uh, Craig, I, I got to tell you, man, I uh, talking about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, I, yeah. uh, man, I'm showing my age here. Early 80s. Austin, Texas, City Coliseum, time after time, Hacksaw Jim Duggan as a bad guy taking on Dick Slater, Scott Casey, Ivan Putzky, all of the greats of Southwest Championship Wrestling. <laughs> time after time, City Coliseum, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He used to stomp his foot then. Did he say anything about that? He, he, would, he would hold on to the top rope and he would just go boom, boom, boom. That was before the two-by-four. Oh, you're right. You're right. He would get the crowd clapping together yep. with his foot. Yep. And he, you know, he, Rodney, he, he put his hand up like about, um, he put his palm up when he was telling me these stories about, about forehead high. He goes, you know, we would try to get the crowd, you know, fired up to about this level. And once we got him there, we wanted to get him to the next level. He would raise his hand all the way up saying we had to just like, you know, get him in a, and he fought all the so-called bad boys of wrestling. And as How you he, mentioned, I mean, he, any, anybody that was an evil doer, he was, he was in the ring with him. How did he look? Did he look like he's still in shape or did he look like he, he had a health scare for a while back? I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. He had, he just survived. You're right. Uh, prostate cancer. Wow. And, um, I will show you the, uh, I'll send you the picture 
and maybe maybe Ty maybe T Y Henderson can post it uh, for us. I'll send it to uh, to all of you all of Hacksaw. He is 69 years old, mm-hmm. and he he was so conversive. Um, let's see, Rodney. Um, and Rodney, you got the picture now. You can forward it over to Ty to post. This is at the Cody Wyoming rodeo the the night before we had the big banquet and now you've got the picture of hacksaw um, nice. his arms and hands it seems like they almost hang down to his knees he's six foot two uh when he wrestled he was 270 pounds but obviously <laughs> prostate cancer and age have you know impacted him but he couldn't have been more sweet kind conversive and I, I got to deliver a keynote speech to a crowd of probably, I don't know, 200, 300 at the banquet. And I mentioned some of the celebrities that were there, Rocker, Rod Woodson. And How was, and jo- how was, how was Rocker? Because <laughs> <laughs> I love, okay, Eastbound and Down is, is one of my favorite shows yeah, that, absolutely. that I saw. And absolutely. that was prototype Johnny, John Rocker. Yeah. 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 How is Rocker? Well, uh, let me let me think about how I should answer that. <laughs> uh, um, <coughs> Rocker, here's some things you don't may not know about Rocker. He had three at bats in the major leagues, and has a one thousand percent on base percentage because all three at bats he walked, which is a great trivia thing to have. He is the only player in Major League Baseball history with more than 15 innings pitched, and he pitched 23 innings of playoff baseball with a zero earned run average. Man. Wow. His path to the Major Leagues was remarkable. John and I had about a 45-minute conversation. It's hard to get his attention, but when you get his attention and he realized that you know, just having a conversation that I would talk about on the radio. Um, we, we really got down to earth about his path and how unlikely it was and how his his role with the Braves, how it happened and, and how he really had no idea that he was getting called up to the majors. Uh, he lives in Destin, Florida now. But let me tell you, he looks like he could pitch today. He, he was the most fit. Of, he and Rod Woodson look like – I mean, just they look like they could play today. And I would I would put Jeff Fry in there as well. Jeff Fry played in the celebrity basketball game, and he was lights out. Uh, Rick Rona was there who caught for the Cubs, major leagues. But uh, John Rocker was very, very similar to the character that you think he is when he came out of that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. after midnight. Oh, wow. oh my God! That's... That dude. Oh, and he can stripe a golf ball. I promise you that. I sent you a picture of a hacksaw, Jim Duggan. I sent it to Todd and uh, and to you, Rodney. So you got that in front of you now. Yeah, you, when you were talking uh, about that, I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's it's like childhood. My, yeah. you know, and, and funny funny wrestling story, and th- this is a true thing. So in my hometown of Lockhart. They, they were they were having the wrestling at the Lions Club, at the local Lions Club. And so me and my buddies, yeah. we, we lived right across, you know, 183 going to, towards Luling. We lived right across from, from where the Lions Club was. So we were on our bikes, oh, you know, yeah. we, we go riding over there. We're, we're in high school, and we, we peek inside, and all the wrestlers are working on the ring together. 
and a buddy of mine, you know, a big, bigger guy, you know, barrel-chested uh, yeah. kid, he, uh, he, he says to one of the wrestlers, Al Madrill, he's like, hey, Al, and Al turns around, looks at him, and he goes, is wrestling fake? <laughs> and, and Al tells him, kid, get your fat ass in here, and I'll show you. <laughs> True story. Oh, True story. man. You get nowhere near that. I believe that, and and it was interesting that that Hacksaw described it. He said, you know, we were partners in the ring. This was a dance, uh, and the outcome of the dance was obviously known, but back then, you know, you didn't dare ask that question back then, Rodney. You know, is this mm-hmm. real? Because you find yourself, you know, on a late-night talk show getting body slammed right in front of a crowd. Um, nowadays, you know, it's such it's such a show and it's so entertaining if you're – to really follow the characters and the relationships and and the fact that he wrestled Andre the Giant Andre for 54 straight nights <laughs> and that's just I mean that's cray cray and finally Andre goes okay tonight uh, when we do this that the other you will be on top and finish I don't know if that's <laughs> you get how one Andre win talks. that's how one. I imagine yeah you get one it's win. like the Globetrotters opponent yeah <laughs> the generals that's <laughs> the generals. It yeah. I mean, wins you get, generals oh, won. That's all. Yeah, that's crazy. No, I was bringing Rodney on to because uh, his you know his show's coming back up, but talk about uh, Chicago race. Yeah, uh, lots of it was the race that was supposed to fail. I yeah. think a lot of folks were ready for it to fail. And like I was telling you, Jamie, nobody got shot. Nobody got, uh, <laughs> nobody got stabbed. No carjacking going yeah, on. I, I, maybe some hubcaps disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. But um, an overall huge win, okay. uh, and I think in a brand-new demographic and a brand-new concept that I think is going to work for NASCAR. And, and this this is like well, Chicago's third largest city in the in the sure. United States. And yeah. to be able to pull this off, it was flooded there before the race, guys. Uh, <laughs> they, they delayed it, I think, uh, about 90 minutes. And there was standing water. Wow. Standing water. They're able to get this thing because wow. it's downtown. There's no runoff. Right. There's nothing, and then you get an outsider that wins. Man, it was but but the no casualties. No, no casualties. casualties. That's the thing. Was it sold out. Did everything. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and, and the fans came back. I mean, even on Saturday for the for the Xfinity race, right? The you, you had it. It was packed. They didn't get to finish that. It rained. It rained all Saturday night into Sunday afternoon, and those people still hung around. Oh, that's and awesome. that's old-school NASCAR fans don't do that. No. They leave. <laughs> it's they leave. It's power. So, yes, home run. It, home it's, run. We're going to see this. They're talking about New York. They're talking about Denver. They're talking about a lot of different places. Well, now, and l- let's bring up the uh, one that I'm very interested in watching is the Vegas one. Mm-hmm. When is that coming up? That's uh, in November. In November. So, and we'll talk about this on Revved Up here in a little bit. So, so the pressure now is on Formula One in Las Vegas because the Las Vegas Formula One race is a can't miss. It can't. Is a can't miss. Really? The NASCAR Chicago race was supposed to be an epic failure. Oh. The failure didn't happen. <laughs> So the heat is on Formula One and Vegas. Man, I cannot wait to see. I just want to see the track, what they're going to do. Because they're going to shut down. I mean, they're shutting Vegas down. I mean, you get to the airport, you're going to have to go around the Strip to get into the Strip. Yeah. Oh. Um, and, yeah. and on a Saturday night a sa- at that. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Look out. Road, can you road trip. Anymore, can you complicate your life any more by going to that? No. Thing? no. I can't believe that they did it in downtown Chicago. 
Chicago. I can't believe that. I can't believe yeah. nobody got carjacked. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It was, and they ran into the evening too. <laughs> they, they had to, they had to go later. But that was the one thing. And, and and as all this is going on, you check the Reddit's and the Twitters and all yeah. that, and you, you get all the naysayers. It's like, oh man, there's going to be some killings now. Yeah. You know, as we're getting later into the day. No, everything yeah. worked oh. out. People are really okay at times. Too, keep preoccupied. Give them a good race. That's you know, right. That was, that's, that's it. Right. Now who won? Uh, uh, SVG uh, Van Gisbergen is the guy's name. He is a uh, he is a uh, he's a road racer. He's okay. not he's not a NASCAR guy. He came in in the Project ninety one car uh, with Trackhouse Racing. So an outsider comes in, and, and I think that that's that's a big a big reason that this was such a hit is that you didn't have one of the regular guys winning. How'd they do in the top? Did they get top ten? Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You had the regular players in there, but this dude he slaughtered him, man. <laughs> slaughtered him. Made him look bad. Made him look bad. All right, stand by for uh, Rodney Rodriguez with uh, Rev Sports. Okay. Coming up behind us. Colonel, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Colonel. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, we're out. See you next week for the high ground. See you on the high ground. Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your sin, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, you love Charles So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath.